This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, failing to treat addiction with or without ADHD. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, Jan, can you introduce tonight's guest? Yes, Jeff. We're happy to have Elaine taylor Claus with us tonight. For over a decade, she struggled as a mom in an ADHD++ family of five. But after she discovered that a coach approach dramatically helped her, her kids, and her entire family, she co-founded the first-ever virtual parent coaching support organization for parents of complex kids, which was ImpactADHD.com. In 2020, ImpactADHD expanded to become ImpactParents.com. Reflecting the broad range of parents supported in their first decade, parents of complex kids challenged with ADHD, anxiety, learning disabilities, autism, and more. An award-winning online resource and blog for parents and professionals, Impact Parents provides coaching, training, and support around the globe. Elaine has served as a parent advisor for the American Academy of Pediatrics, and she's on the National Board of Directors of CHAD. In addition to serving as CEO of Impact Parents and providing private coaching for adults worldwide, Elaine is the co-host of the Parenting with Impact podcast. She's a frequent contributor to Attitude Magazine and Attention Magazine, as well as the co-author of Parenting ADHD Now, Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, and she's also the author of the 2020 number one new release, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids with ADHD, Anxiety, and More. 
So, Jeff, we're very happy to have Elaine with us tonight. With that, Elaine, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here, as always. I uh, I always love having you on uh, this topic. I'm particularly interested in uh, in your perspective, your thoughts, and definitely uh, your work with regard to this in complex kids. So just a really broad question, like ADHD and, and, and addictive behaviors are very highly correlated. Um, yeah. Just kind of give us your perspective on it, and I kind of want to work through um, – the treatment of it, and then really, really your experience with regard to this in parents and um, kids that have addictive behavior and trying to manage that. So uh, could you start with just a, your, your high-level view of addiction? We'll go from there. Yeah. So, so I, I think what I want to start by saying is, um, you know, this is the world according to experience, right? This, you know, if you, if you say that the plural of stories or anecdotes is data, the level of data we're going to talk about here, this is not based on research. It's based on lived experience, right? Yes. Um, and, and a lot of experience working with, with parents of kids who have ended up in treatment programs and clinical programs and therapeutic treatment and struggling with all kinds of addiction issues. And, and also parents who think that their kids have addiction issues who may not, right? Mm. So... Mm-hmm. So I just want to sort of set the stage to say this is not based on research or data in a traditional sense. It's based on, you know, a clinical, <laughs> clinical experience after, de- you know, more than – School of hard knocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, want to, just want to be clear here. Yep. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I, I like the distinction you made in the, as you introduced this is there's this distinction distinction I want to make between addiction and addictive behaviors, right? That we, with those of us in the world of ADHD, have a tendency towards um, obsessive, repetitive behaviors that can look like addiction, right? We, get, we are looking for that dopamine rush. We're looking for the dopamine hit. And so when something looks good or feels good, we may lean into that more than might be typically healthy, and yet that may not qualify as a full-blown addiction. Is that fair? Yes. So, so that's the first distinct thing I want to I really highlight is, is that when parents, parents come to me all the time, particularly these days, and say, my kid is addicted to technology. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a loaded statement, right? And yep. your kid may be addicted to technology, but your kid may not be addicted to technology, but they may be struggling with the capacity to disconnect from that technology. They may be so highly motivated and engaged and interested in it that they're having a hard time pulling away from it or doing other things. And, and it's a fine line on the one hand, but on the other hand, because the treatment's very different, you really want to know, is it really an addiction or are we just are we dealing with with a really strong interest or motivation in something um, or a compulsion towards something that that we that still needs to be addressed, but it may be addressed differently? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I never really thought about it like that before, but that's why we had you on here because I'm here to learn something. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just you know that the word addiction means something, and we have to take yep. it really seriously, and we don't want to throw it around. Like like it like it's it's a casual term. It's very serious. 
So, so there's this one category in the ADHD population of people who have a tendency towards addictive. We have a, a, an addict, a high propensity or risk of addiction. Let's put it in that category. There's a high, higher risk of addiction, of full-blown addiction, in people who have, who have the condition of ADHD, right? Yes. Um, so there's that capacity to recognize it, anticipate it, know that that's an issue. I mean, I started talking to my kids really young about the, their risk of addiction. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to be an addict or that you have, you know, but just because you have ADHD, the risk is higher for you. And so sometimes you're going to have to know that. You're going to have to make this, different decisions than your friends are making. And you have to really pay attention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the risk is higher for you. Mm-hmm. Right? The predisposition so, is there. So. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that just because we, you know, are working out like crazy or drinking too much in COVID, that doesn't mean it becomes a full-blown addiction. Mm-hmm. But it means we have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I know there's an irony there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, self-awareness but, but, of the – of your challenge is self-regulating. It is attention, but you, it's, it's that self-awareness piece where you're kind of, uh, you know, there's the focus on, hey, trying to do like homework or math problems or doing your taxes, but then there's the self-awareness that you might be predisposed to some things so that you're conscious at times and can exactly. manage that. I mean, and, you know, a lot of us, and we're talking about adults, a lot of us in the last, ideally, in the last couple of years in, during the, the pandemic, we're drinking more than we normally might have. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not alone in that, but I know that <laughs> I'm, I, it was definitely happening to me. And so at some point I looked at it and I said, okay, I need to make sure that this hasn't become an addiction. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I had a conversation about it. We, we did a cleanse. I, you know, we did all kinds of things. We got really healthy for a little while, you know, um, and, and and I had this conversation with another colleague of ours who, who also has ADHD, and I needed to say to myself and prove to myself, no, this isn't an addiction. I can stop. I can stop for, you know, this period of time. It's, I'm, and, and yet it was becoming addictive, right? Hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. distinction I'm trying to make. It, it, I had that propensity towards it. I was in a habit that was not healthy, that was, re, you know, that was reinforcing it. And if I had continued on the path I was on, there was a risk of it becoming mm-hmm. a full-blown addiction. So, you know, thankfully I have the tools, I have the awareness, I have, you know, all, I, I have a conscious management of my ADHD and I was able to arrest the process. <laughs> I don't know why, so, just in my mind there's a quote, I don't think it was it, Mark Twain. I, I don't remember what I was, but the the point was, how do you go broke? Two ways, really slow, and then all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And I'm listening to you know you have this you do it you do that over a really really long period of time, and all of a sudden you you you, you go past addictive behavior to addiction. Um, anyway, exactly. I just I just just popped in my head. <laughs> no, I think it's it's that's that's the thing. It's like the frog in the water, right? You have mm-hmm. to. It's something we, as people with ADHD, need to be aware of as a risk and pay attention because because addiction can show up in all kinds of ways. I mean, we think about it as substance abuse, but addiction is not is not the same as substance abuse. Substances are one thing that people become addicted to. 
People do become addicted to technology. People do become addicted to exercise, right? People become yes. addicted to, to sex or sexual, uh-huh. or, or sexual exploration. Um, people can become addicted to lots of things. It, it, it's an addiction if it becomes something that's so essential to you that it is ruling your life instead of you ruling it. That's just my definition. I don't think that's a formal I, definition. I, I, when it's impairing your life in some major way and you can't help yourself, to me, you're kind of starting to get over the top. Is that fair to say? And you can't stop. Yeah, and I, I might even go beyond impairing your life to when it's actually beginning to control your life. Absolutely. When it's beginning to influence your decisions, when you don't want to hang out with those people because they don't drink, but these people do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it and, – and there's sometimes I think there's also – I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but there's – there's an, a psychological or emotional addiction, even if something's not a physical addiction. Yes, yes. Right? So I may have been, I mean, full disclosure, I was a, a, a pot smoker in high school. That's how I was medicating my, the ADD I didn't know I had. And there was definitely a period where I was probably psychologically addicted to it. Mm. It's not physically addictive. Mm-hmm. But I was still, it was still controlling my day, my waking thoughts. It was wow. something I was wow. thinking about a lot. Wow. Tell you, what. Um, it, you know, maybe I was on this side instead of that side, but, but, but the idea is to just think about it in terms of how is it controlling our thoughts instead of us controlling it. Yep. Tell you what, need to go to a break. Let's hold that because great possible transition here. Everybody, our secret word tonight is uh, treat. Uh, again, secret word tonight's treat. Please check out uh, more about Elaine and Impact Parents and by going to impactparents.com forward slash attention. Again, that's uh, impactparents.com forward slash attention. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Claus of Impact Parents specializes in helping parents of complex kids and let me know she's uh, she's excellent what she does having a conversation about uh before break really the difference between addiction and addictive behavior which i think was 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 fabulous and fascinating um and i think important to know kind of moving forward you know lane one of the things mm-hmm. that i like your perspective on is if you've got somebody with adhd that you're working with and they've got an addiction um, or highly uh, you know addictive behaviors and managing that what are your thoughts on that? What do you do, and what's important about addressing the addiction side of it? Well, so this is so now we're moving into to addiction, right? The management mm-hmm. of addiction, and and part of what I've seen in the last dozen years or so in this work is that 
too often, I'm going to say more, definitely more often than not, all too often, we've got people, kids, young adults, teens who are showing up with addiction issues. And the, the response to it is stop this. You've got to stop this behavior now. And so by, by having this urgent need to stop it, we sometimes maybe it is an addiction, maybe it's addictive behavior, but we put them into an addiction environment. And, and the problem with the addiction environment with underlying ADHD is that um, the, the message in the world of addiction is just say no. And when you have an impulsivity-based condition, just say no is not sufficient to say no. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work that way. It's, I mean, the nature of ADHD is I can't get myself to, to do or not do what I know I need to do or not do. And I have to find other ways to, to accomplish that because the way my brain is wired, that's extraordinarily difficult and, as you would say, effortful to do. And so just saying no isn't going to work in a lot of cases. And if we put our kids or young adults or, or grown adults into treatment programs that where the protocol is just say no and we're not helping them understand the underlying impulsivity that they're struggling with that's causing this desire in the first place, then we're missing the opportunity to fully comprehensively treat the, the condition that we're trying to address. And, and the recidivism rate is extraordinarily high. And, and the, the, what happens is these, these young people start feeling terrible about themselves, feeling like a failure, like they can't do anything. They, like there's this, this compounding effect that happens because they don't understand what's making it so hard for them in the first place. That's, that's kind of my sense of it. So, you know, it's interesting because um, I've actually – we've been doing a lot of shows about ADHD and related to addictive type stuff and the increase I've seen. And I know that um, kind of what you said was a little bit validating to me because through the pandemic, I had a lot of people that I was work with, a lot of early 20s. Um, I don't really work cool. with teens and really early college students. Um, but, you know, they were doing something that was very addictive – um, a lot of whether it's marijuana, not addictive, but they were they were it was psychologically they weren't able to kind of break away. And it was funny because I was just explaining to them the ADD condition and you know a normal coaching kind of safe place where they actually began to say I was the first place that they ever said they had a problem. And it was mm-hmm. funny because right. when they did, I said, you know, hey, listen, I, I I understand it. Like I'm not judging you here, but you know we have this issue. And I wasn't pushing them to do anything, but basically it was a lot of just letting just sitting in it and saying, you know, this is ADD, this is this thing. And I was kind of proud, you know, over a period of time, you know, a lot of these people that I worked with actually, you know, talked themselves into really getting serious about it and, and actually doing something. And one particular individual in particular was like, you know, this is really, really difficult. And he ended up just like, I got to go. I got to He quit his job, went back to live with his parents and put himself in a situation. I think he's, I corresponded with him once and I think he's five months sober right now and some other things. And I think that hey, you have this issue, but you also have ADHD, and it's a little bit bigger than just that, and, and, and reasoning mm-hmm. with them. Over time, they did it, but they were also part of the process. So just, I mean, is that? Well, you and I have talked about this a bit a million times, but, but the foundational piece 
the most essential piece for someone with ADHD to create any kind of change in their life is to set the intention to do it in the first place. And if you can't set the intention to do it in the first place, or if you don't, or if you don't know that there's a problem or what's causing the problem, you're not likely to set the intention to create the change. And so what you're speaking to is by raising awareness to it, you gave this this person the capacity to say, I want to change it. And it was that intention that led mm-hmm. to it. I was I was at an event recently, and I was talking to um, a mom in my community, not somebody I worked with, but a mom in my community who probably about eight or eight or ten years ago had asked me for some some advice. It's not somebody I was working with, but somebody who I had had some conversations with, and um, and and it was terrible to say, but I knew then that we were going to have problems down the road because this was a mom who was dealing with the fact that her 17-year-old son was, was drinking alcohol or smoking weed or whatever it was, I can't remember, um, by drug testing him. That was how she handled it. And I would not recommend that as a general protocol, not out of, not out of context and not out mm-hmm. of really having a collaborative relationship with your kid. But the way she handled it was, was by drug testing. And so she had this, this kid who was, who was resisting, and she wasn't helping him learn to manage his, his alcohol or drug use. She was saying, nope, this is not okay. It's got to stop. And, and so she took herself out of the, the picture. She took herself out of being able to guide him and teach him and help him learn to self-manage mm-hmm. by putting in this, you know, by becoming this policing role. That, mm-hmm. that connected their relationship. Well, mm-hmm. fast forward, and I ran into her at an event, and I said, how's your son doing? And he's in a treatment center, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and it's not a terrible surprise, because if, similar to what you're saying, as an adult, I'm not sure what triggered for him, but he finally kind of said, actually, I think what what happened was he ended up with a heroin addiction. Wow. And you're not going to get out of that one by yourself. You're not going to get out of that by thinking it, you know, like you need a lot of support to do that. But but he had never learned as a teenager how to put limits in place for himself, how to recognize when enough was enough, like how to choose something different. And that's, that's the thing that, that people with ADHD need desperately mm-hmm. in order to, to manage an addictive personality or addictive tendencies. Um, and, and that is to, as you're saying, is that awareness going on and to be guided to choose something different yep. than, than what they're, because they're not choosing the addictive behavior. They're defaulting into the di- addictive behavior based on the brain. Uh-huh. I like to that. choose to do something different. I, I like how you're saying that. So, you know, one of the things uh, you, we've talked a lot about this, when people when I first start working with adults, I talk about dopamine and I talk about you know, the mm-hmm. mechanics of it and stuff like that. And, and I just basically reframe, think of ADHD as a dopamine addiction. And, and I like to frame mm-hmm. that out for a couple of reasons. Number one is that, as I say, it fits really well with Dr. Barkley's model of ADHD as a self-regulation issue. You get dopamine, you pay attention to it, you don't, you don't. And by doing that, it kind of like takes the emotions out of it. It's like this is a very mechanical type thing. It's not – and it's just really real. I also like to use the word addiction because 
it's serious and, and, and it's inevitably that yeah. we'll, I'll get into it like a couple of weeks and they're like, I'm like, no, that's why I use the word addiction at the beginning of it is because you got to give this respect because if you don't, you're not going to, I mean, if you just think it's nothing, you've got to realize it's really pretty serious. And another thing I do sometimes is I have people do an exercise where I have them make a meal, eat a meal and clean the meal up using their less dominant hand. And I'll talk to them yeah. about, you know, notice that's actually self-regulation. You have to stop and think, and you know, this is really a small scale but you can see how effortful it is to overcome that. And if you get yourself into a situation where you've had addictive behavior for a long period of time, and you know at some point in time it gets harder for you to stop and pause and make that override, again, the idea of, of kind of helping them understand it from the inside out, not the outside in, because so often exactly. we have people just talking, da, 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 and they don't really get it, but when you engage them and they can participate in it, and work their way out. A lot of times, they'll, I mean, they're in a better position to really manage the the the, the dopamine addiction. You know, whether it's screen or alcohol, whatever, because sometimes it's manifesting in more difficult forms. And also, it also applies to people that have addictive work behaviors, like they love solving problems. That you realize is that at some point in time, you'll lose your family and everybody else because there's no balance. So again, it's just trying to help right. you understand the inside out. So yeah, um, for sure. Tell you what, let's go to a break. I want to come back and actually talk about people that we're, you're, we're working with with ADHD that actually have an addiction, and you're trying to help them kind of go forward. So everybody, we'll come back to that. Our secret word tonight is treat. Again, that's treat. And check out uh, uh, Elaine Taylor Kloss and the website Impact Parents by going to impactparents.com forward slash attention. Again, that's impactparents.com forward slash attention. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Everybody, we're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss talking about uh, addictive behavior, addiction, and ADHD. Um, Wanted to kind of make the turn now to people that you were working with that have ADHD and they really they're into something and it's life impairing. Um, how do you work with parents to manage that? What are your what's your experience? Well, you know, again, the, that distinction between addictive and, and, and addiction, right, needs to be mm-hmm. made. Um, so I'm thinking. First, let me talk about addiction. So I have. Uh, as I say, I've worked with a lot of parents whose kids are either in treatment centers or coming out of treatment centers. 
And what I see happen when these kids come out of the treatment centers or wilderness programs or wherever they are, usually, or coming out of a therapeutic boarding school, whatever it is, um, is that they come out with a contract. And the, the program that they've been in has guided them to create a contract with their parents. There's nothing wrong with creating a contract. But, but it tends to be based on the parents' goals, dreams, expectations, demands. Um, it often tends to come from a place of, of um, fear, often very absolute. And, and often what I experience is that the kids may be part of creating the contract, but they're not really fully bought into it. it often, not always, but often not fully bought in that it's, it's clearly the parent's agenda. So, so it goes back to that notion of, of with ADHD, to change something, you have to set the intention. You have to own it. You have to buy into it. And so I think the most important thing that I see that I work with parents to help them shift is to begin as quickly as possible to start collaborating with their young adults to get their buy-in and their ownership to whatever it is, the change they're trying to make. These kids are coming out of programs. They want their life to be better. They don't want to go back to where they were before. But, but we want to start doing that from a place of choice and intention and not going back to that old model of, well, just say no, don't hang out with those friends. Those friends aren't good for you. It's not a constructive way to teach them the process of managing themselves. And, mm-hmm. and the, for kids with ADHD, the process of self-managing is every bit as important as the outcome. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to help them prepare to do it again and again and again. And so instead of saying, well, you can't be with those friends, and these are, I had one client I worked with, those are red light friends, and these are green light friends. <laughs> this is what was coming out of the program. And this is a 16-year-old kid. Like, like wow. he's going to listen to a, you know, a green yep. light program or a red light parent, uh, I mean, friend. And so if we say that's a red light friend, there's this part of this kid who's like, well, I want to be with a red light friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but if we shift it to what happens when you're with those friends, what kinds of decisions are you making? If we can have conversations where the kid is saying, you know, that this kid's just, it's really not great for me. As much as I like it, it's not healthy for me. Then you're going to get a whole different kind of buy-in and engagement if the if the kid has made that choice and then if you are holding them accountable to something that they've agreed to, Mm. you want them to, you want them to agree to something that makes sense for them. Yeah. Because then the system is the, is the one that holds them accountable, not you. So this is interesting. So when the kid hasn't actually bought in to it, they're like, yeah. what is your intention with this? But the, that that urge is still stronger. What are your thoughts on that? Cool. And I'm, I'm judging myself um, on this one. Just, you know, I'm, 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 I have two people that I worked with. I'm really anxious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> um, so ask it differently because I'm not quite sure what you're asking. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll expose myself. I was I was working with a, a couple people. Uh, one is really kind of coming to mind, and we had done some really really good work. It really helped the, the kid understand what was going on, what he needed to do. Like it was like a formula. Like here's here's the problem. Oh, page six is the answer. Here's no page twelve is the answer. And um, we we had some stuff, but and and this individual had admitted that he you know he he, he liked marijuana. He, he liked his friends. 
And I, we had talked about it, and he, we were having a conscious conversation about it. And he's transitioning from one school to another school. And, you know, I said, this is a great opportunity, um, you know, because where you were, you're, you were locked in. Your social arena was with a crowd that was there. And to say no to this, this, this thing and no to his friends was powerful. I said, you know, and we transitioned. And, you know, we talked, you know, hey, this is what do you want to do? We kind of talked about it, but he fell kind of right back into the trap. And I just basically said, you know, I really appreciate it, but I, I'm, I can't help you. You know, we're having more and more conversations that's Groundhog Day. It's like, hey, you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling to do this. And I said, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I really, I'm not helping you progress at this point in time. We're just having just conversations yeah. about lunch. And I said, I, I mean, we have to cut it off. And we, it was, it was amenable. Um, and then um, about two months later, uh, the realization came that he wasn't going to pass a class uh, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a big problem. And so he withdrew and then finally went to go seek help and called me back and we yeah. got kind of engaged again. And but, but, but what I'm interested in is, is that, again, this is an opportunity for me to learn, was I was like at some point in time, I, I now can't help you because you haven't made the decision. And I wasn't trying to say what it yeah. is. What do you want to do? And he just kind of kept going back to that because, it, again, as a coach, I'm not – I wasn't coaching him anymore. Thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, that's what we learn in coaching school, right? It's just if someone's coming back with the same repetitive behavior and nothing's changing, then that's usually a sign that they need some therapy. That's mm-hmm. a sign that they need a different kind of help. Right? Mm-hmm. Coaching works for people who, who want to create change. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, you know, like I, uh, that doesn't mean you can't work on the same issue again and again, but, but it's actually working on the issue. You know, I worked with one of my kids to learn to use a calendar for years, and, um, and it took years. That doesn't mean that, that, that we needed to stop working on it and go to therapy about the calendar. It meant we kept trying things, and that mm-hmm. didn't work, and this part worked, and that didn't. And, you know, so, so when I say working on it, I actually mean working on it. But mm-hmm. so what you're describing is, is somebody who, who actually wasn't working on it. He mm-hmm. actually hadn't decided that this was a change he really wanted to create. It was a should. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when it comes from a should, it's not likely to have the same kind of an impact, and they're not likely to engage in it because our brains don't do well with shoulds. Mm-hmm. The ADD brain does well with choice, not shoulds. Mm-hmm. So I got another perspective is I was coaching another individual, and um, it, we, we uncovered that there was a lot of YouTube going on. And so we had the mm-hmm. conversation about it, like the, all the things that we were talking about doing, we could, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to compete with it. I'm like, you know, what I'm hearing is you want to do this, but you're doing that. Like, you know, and then at one point in time, I said, what do you think of it? And the person basically said, well, I just surrendered myself to YouTube. Yeah, I said, so well, I just, I just, that's it. I just want to say, I want to hear this. You've surrendered yourself to YouTube, and you're coming to me for coaching on self-regulating. And my fun question when I get to those where there's like a contradiction or a paradigm, I go, so how can I help you? How can I help yeah. you? How can I help you? How can I help you? How, like, I, what, what is it I can do to help you? Like you surrendered yourself, but you like, and it's, you know, it's, it's again, it was one of those where they began to wean them like, Hey, I'm going to put some limits and stuff. And they, they reduced it a little bit, but it really wasn't material. And again, I was like, I, you know, it's, after asking, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? At some point in time we say, okay, listen, it's, 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 I'm, it's not going to work. 
And um, there, sometimes well, you just run into people this like is that. Where, this is where Je- um, we are coaches, not therapists. Mm-hmm. And if you've got something you really can't get out of that way, you need some kind of a therapeutic environment to help you figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. In the realm of coaching, we understand. But so, so this is actually a great kind of connection point because I think what the, what happens with addiction is that the, often the therapeutic support isn't really recognizing fully what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the surface of the addiction, but they're not seeing the underlying cause of the addiction, which is the ADHD. And sometimes, again, not always, none of this is, is absolute. But there are very many people in treatment for addiction who, if you don't deal with that underlying ADHD, you're never going to have success yeah. for the treatment of the addiction. Period. So, so just to articulate this is just I've, I've been doing a little bit of work on this and trying to articulate it so it kind of fits. Is we make observations in the world using our senses. That's it's, it's the most okay. primitive form of observation. Then, then hopefully at some point in time we have some other technology to make observations, whether it's a telescope, a microscope, a regression analysis, mathematics, whatever. Those are just technologies that we use, but our but most basic are our senses. And right. cogni- cognition is invisible. It's, there, it doesn't register. And one way I, I ran into this video that huh. just revolutionized things recently, like – Color is something that I, 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 can, I can witness. I can make an observation. But somebody who's blind at birth can't make that observation. They don't even know what the concept is. And it's or funny because a lot of what I colorblind. do – Yeah, a lot of what I do is helping – putting people in an experience so that they can – they won't necessarily see it, but they can get a concept. So like a blind person could feel a huge wall because they don't really understand space and depth. But they may feel a, whole, a huge wall and then take a needle and put it and say, okay, that's the, the galaxy, if you will, in the universe. Again, it's not there, but they get a sense of it. So when we're dealing with people, that's, um, there's a point to this a second, is we, the world has a tendency to look at visible behavior because that's what our senses say. But our visible behavior is a symptom of our cognitive behavior. And one of the reasons why I like Dr. Barkley's model so much is I can begin to make – executive functioning tangible by putting people in experiences, whether it's doing your, your, your uh, food with your less dominant hand, the automatic brain, you have, you, that's what it is, stop and think, stop and think, and see how effortful and how frustrated you are. So when we bring some tangibility, we can do that. And it goes back to kind of the point here is that people are looking at the visible behavior, but what we're talking about the cognitive behavior and understanding the ADHD brain and helping the individual who we're dealing with understand that more intangible thing so that they can be a part of pulling it together. And so right. a lot of what you're saying is it's being missed because they're looking at visible behavior. But a lot of what we're doing is dealing with the cognitive behavior and that source. Does that make sense? Right. Well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and what, I think what I would add to it in the realm of addiction is that they're looking at the physical behavior. They're labeling it as something, addiction. Yep. Right. They're, but they're not they're, – they're not doing that next layer work to understand what might be causing this addiction. Now, sometimes addiction is, is you know, people will, will argue that it's genetic. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's something that they're going to have and that they are just addicted to, to whatever and they cannot engage in that substance. I mean, we've seen in the Native mm-hmm. American population, there's clearly a correlation between 
the people who have Native American heritage and, and alcohol risk of alcoholism, right, as an example. Mm-hmm. So we know that there is something for some people genetic that is a connection there. And, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that ADHD is genetically connected as well. But I guess what I'm suggesting is that sometimes people land in addiction because they they have this impulsivity disorder that if they can learn to manage the impulsivity, they can learn to manage whatever it is that they're doing. Maybe. Maybe not. And that's not to say, I mean, I've had this, this debate because there's some more research coming out on this now. We're going we're gonna to have 10 years from now, this will be a very different conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, one, one of the coaches in my community that I work with, who, who works with me, um, is in recovery. And we have debates about, you know, does that mean you can ever go, go back? Once you learn to manage the ADHD, can you manage the substance? You know, some people say yes, some people say no. Um, she's never seen it be successful. My jury is still out. And I'm not saying you should be able to go back to drinking or smoking or whatever it is you're doing. I am saying that if you understand where your impulsivity is and your, your hyper-focus and, and what motivates you and you understand how you operate and how your brain works, you're in a much better position to understand how to shift a behavior, and that may mean saying no forever. But if you mm-hmm. do it from a place of this is how I handle it, this is the system I'm putting in place for myself to manage this, that's very different from I'm just supposed to say no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, you could go on forever on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, anyway. Um, it's deep and wide, yeah. Yes, it is, but, but it's it's a lot of really a lot, a lot, a lot of self awareness, and but that's one of the things that I'm coming to is is you know the issue is is with people with AD helping them with the self awareness because if they don't buy into the self awareness of this stuff, they're they're waiting for the world to, to fix them, take care of them. They're not participating in it, and we're kind of doomed to rinse and repeat. Um, whereas if so, we can get them, so, the, so, go ahead. So, so can I go back to that? So we, 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 you were asking me about working with, with clients around these issues. And yep. I talked first about clients with kids coming out of programs. Yep. I want to talk a little bit about clients of kids who are worried that their kids are at risk of addiction, who are okay. seeing behaviors yeah. leaning in that direction. Because that's where we can really do something about it if we if we can take away the judgment and the shame. So what tends to happen is parents see their kids who's drinking or smoking, whatever they're doing, they see, you know, 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid, and they freak. Well, I don't know if, if most of them, somehow they forget, comfortably forget whatever they did at that age, or maybe they never did anything at that age. Either of those can be a little uncomfortable, right? But, but when you freak, you react. And when you react, you're actually going to push your kid away. But if you can look at the behavior calmly and say, this is concerning, stay connected with your kids, stay in a relationship where you're able to say, you know, I know that this is attractive to you, this is concerning to me, and this is why, and this is, you know, this is how your brain is wired, which adds to my concern. So let's, let's talk about what makes sense and what's, what's safe and reasonable. And, and if we can enroll our kids 
in a conscious conversation about their choices without freaking out. Mm-hmm. We can guide them to begin to make more conscious choices and, and to be more thoughtful. I mean, I have lots of conversations with my kids about substances. My kids are now all in their 20s. Um, I don't always agree with the choices they're making, but, I, but none of them have ever crossed that line into addiction, mm-hmm. right, to my knowledge. Um, and I think part of it is because I started having conversations with them at a very young age about about I, my joke is everything in moderation, including moderation. So, um, <laughs> but I started having conversations with them at a very early age about being mindful of and understanding that because they had ADHD, they were at higher risk. And you know, and so I, you know, a college kid who'll say, "Yeah, we 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 always make sure that they're." two days off in a week or, you know, whatever it is. Do I think that they're, are they making the choices I wish they would make? No. Are they crossing that line into addiction? No. And part of that is because they've been given permission to have, to, to have conscious conversation about it instead of shamefully having to hide it. Mm. So just a, a frame to bring to this, uh, I, I, I've always loved this. Melissa Orlov, who is a, a relationship consultant in the ADD world, talks about symptom response response. There's an yeah, ADHD symptom, and on the on the on the uh, partner level, it's hey, go to the store to get eggs, and they come back with everything but eggs. And the person that mm-hmm. that doesn't have ADHD, um, and they're a little frustrated, but they have an emotional reaction, and it's that emotional reaction that they have um, that. For the for the person with ADHD, they struggle, and emotions in an executive function. And if they feel threatened or criticized or whatever, they go to fight, flight, or freeze. So what happens is you have a symptom, and then a response, 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 response. And the point really is, 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 is yeah. If, if you don't understand ADHD, and you're you're going in and you're clamping down and you're having strong judgments and stuff, the the reflexive reaction. This is not this is not analytical. It's not logical. The person with ADHD automatically is going to go into a primitive fight and they're going to start fighting back emotionally. And when you when that goes, you start to lose them. So it's like we we don't really want to condone it, but if you fight it, you're actually pushing that person away from your goal. And it's, I'm, I'm sharing that because it's, it's difficult when you're a parent, you love your kids, and they're in peril. You don't want that to happen. But it's in that moment what I think what you're describing is you have to self-regulate your emotions because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's, it's just a, you're not – put the mask on yourself first. You've got to calm down and deal with it. Don't freak out over it because if not, your reaction is going to take it to Armageddon. So is that a, a, well, another way of kind of – Here's the other thing about it, Jeff. It's all about control, right? Control or self-control, control or self-control. And we're talking about an issue of self-control. And when parents try to control it, kids get reactive because they just want to exert some control over themselves, especially if they have ADHD where they feel out of control in so many different ways. But that this is a place where they can exert their own control. And mm-hmm. so if we get into a control game with our kids, we're actually preventing ourselves from doing what we really want to do, which is helping them learn to self-control. But we're, we're doing it backwards and pushing them away. And so understand that all of this is about control. And, and, and 
we're trying to make control a conscious choice. And uh, just, my mother, uh, second grade teacher. Now, everybody, I'm not holier than now. I've had my issues, but she said, you know, think about it. The more you lecture your kids, the more the kid is in control of the conversation. As she's described, mm-hmm. you're showing your willingness to negotiate, stuff like that. So it's almost like you just say some facts and so it, it, going back to the control type thing. So there's a lot in here, and if you're listening to this show and you've got some kids and then you're drawn to this show for a particular reason, and if you really need a lot of help or some stuff, that's what Elaine does. She specializes in helping parents of complex kids, and as we, I think it's pretty clear that we've, we've talked about this case. We have complex kids. We have complex problems, and the issue is take, start to focus on the root cause, not the symptoms, mm-hmm. and the root cause is, is the ADHD and the, and the, the condition, not always the, the behavior that's on the outside. You've got to get that bought into it, and she's there to help you. So with that, any last comments before we close this yeah. down? No, thanks for, for a really in, insightful conversation. Always is. Always learn a ton. So anyway, everybody – uh, thank you so much, and Elaine, thank you for being on our show. Um, our secret word tonight is treat. Again, secret word tonight is treat. Check out Elaine's uh, website, impactparents.com forward slash attention. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.